Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, December 13th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and today I jump on solo to be able to take on a five-game slate full of super high-paced, high-scoring games, lots of big-name lineups, a lot of marquee matchups, but a lot of hidden value given some of the questionable and otherwise injury-laden teams that we are dealing with today. Now, as always, if you haven't already, get yourself onto sportsethos.com to be able to get yourself signed up to the DFS Pass. Keep yourself updated with the latest injury report. Get yourself onto our Discord and be able to ask the pros to get their insights on your lineups, your thought processes, and all together just be able to pick the brains of some of the top DFS talent in the industry. But enough about that, let's jump right into a five-game slate. First one of big interest to me is the Sacramento Kings taking on the Philadelphia 76ers in a game total of 229.5. The Philadelphia 76ers favored to win by 5.5. And as far as main injuries are concerned from both sides over here, we do know that De'Aaron Fox is listed as questionable. We'll have to see if he does remain sidelined for this one. And given the fact that he has missed back-to-back contests now with his foot injury, I have a feeling they're likely erring towards the side of caution on here, and he might see himself taking a seat for this one too. But again, keep your eyes open for the first matchup of the night. But really, as far as the two sides are concerned here, we absolutely expect this to be a very, very high-scoring game. That 229.5, I'm actually expecting it to be a little bit more than that, just given the fact that without Darren Fox there, you see the Sacramento Kings going more towards their perimeter-oriented offense, getting a lot more of those three-point looks open so that Sabonis can have just that little bit more room to operate because we know he's going to have his hands full with Joel Embiid all night, and that is going to be a matchup that they're just going to be banging on each other. And frankly... Given the price tags of them both here, it's actually an area that I'm kind of keen to avoid just given how things are going. I'm actually a lot more interested in taking a James Harden at 9,700 versus a Joel Embiid at 11,700. Harden, who himself is starting to get his shot back in rhythm, two straight games now in which he has shot over 47% from the field, has hit three threes in that time as well, and his assist totals just continue to be mind-boggling. Now, I expect that if Embiid is going to be getting any sort of opportunities in this one, on top of everything else, he's going to be getting a lot more of those pick and rolls coming through with James Harden on here. So I can expect those assist totals to be in that double-digit range. He's gotten 12 and 16, 28 total assists in the last two games. And as long as he stays below that 10,000 mark, to me, Harden is a pretty solid lock on most nights, but especially with a Sacramento Kings team that otherwise is really having their struggles with opposing point guards, especially shifty opposing point guards. Not necessarily about being able to outrun them, but ones that have that skill to be able to break you down in the half court. That's where James Harden is going to be really, really dangerous for them. On the Golden State Milwaukee game, which is our second one of the night, that is a 231.5 total. The Bucks favored to win by 4.5, and, and that's the first of the two big marquee matchups that we do have on this line here. Now, we talked about a bunch of different ideas of what a stud could be, but to me, 
there is no one as matchup proof as Giannis Antetokounmpo. And for me, the only thing I ever look at is, is a matchup going to be needing him more than a another one normally might and of course in a golden state game which is going to be high stakes high pace lots and lots of jawing back and forth between the two because it has become a little bit of a rivalry game between two teams that are absolutely vying for the top obviously the warriors coming in as champions the bucks these champions the year before that and just in general Giannis has had a couple of games which i would say are slightly below what we have gotten come to expect of him really with his uh, ability to be able to put up nearly two fantasy points a minute if he gets into that kind of mid to high 30s as far as his minutes are concerned so at 11,900 you're looking for a guy to be able to put up 60 plus and he absolutely has the opportunity to be able to do that today. Uh, we'll have to also see if Drew Holiday, who is currently listed as questionable for uh, this matchup, also ends up showing up. He's going through a non-COVID-related illness. If he's not there, then Javon Carter absolutely becomes, to me, an incredibly chalky pick. 3,300, we've seen what he can do whenever he gets any sort of starter minutes on this lineup here. And even the last one, even though he didn't necessarily have a big game, uh, got 28 minutes on the floor. And if he can get that consistently, we know that he can get into the mid to high 20s, if not low 30s, as far as DK points are concerned. So that opportunity to be able to have a guy who can be 8 to 9x, definitely too sweet to go ahead and ignore. So keep that in mind. If Drew is out, Javon Carter absolutely becomes a big money pick for you. Between him and Giannis, they're going to be the big guys. And really on the Golden State Warriors, it'll be very similar to how I've been up until this time. I've honestly avoided a lot of the Warriors. They just don't give me that level of consistency that I'm hoping for, if, given the price tags that they have. Even someone like Steph Curry, given the fact that his price tag is at 10800 usually I'd like that. But what we've been finding is either Steph himself has days where his shot has just been absolutely off. But more so than that, he's just not getting the kind of volume and the kind of peripheral stats that I'd want to see from him on a consistent basis to be able to really feel super confident when their price tag gets well above 10k, kind of going into closer to 11, because then I'm looking for him to get somewhere near 55 to 60, and he just, while he's had, I'd say, one explosion game in the last, uh, really, 10 at this point, where he got into the 70s, he's kind of been hovering around that you know, high 40s, low 50s, which just makes it that little bit more difficult for me to think about the fact that I could go and if I'm paying this much, might as well pay that little bit more and go for a Giannis, who I feel a lot more comfortable with to be able to go ahead and actually hit that kind of stud value in this late, in this matchup that he's going to be in. But also given the fact that there are uh, some other solid value plays that I'm going to be looking at uh, later on in these other games, which give me that room to be able to say that I want to spend a little bit more on Giannis and I'm likely going to find him as uh, one of my uh, top exposure studs alongside alongside James Harden, which I spoke about earlier at 9700. As far as the uh, Phoenix and Houston games concerned, this is where a lot of that value is really starting to come into play. A 225.5 matchup, uh, the Suns favored to win by six, and much of what is probably keeping this uh, spread in check is the fact that Devin Booker has been ruled out for this game, and that also is why a lot of this value really does come in because Devin Booker one of the top usage guys in the NBA and we've seen that when he has been out in the past that usage gets very nicely spread amongst the others and there is a lot of value to be had in some of these other pieces 
my favorite center play of the night comes with this, and that is in DeAndre Ayton, who, with Devin Booker out, has seen his field goal attempts really start to rise in general over the last couple of games. Gotten 15 and 18 shots in the last two games over there, and regardless of how things go, it really is that connection between him and Chris Paul that ends up making that difference. So even though he had a great game against the Pelicans, that last one on December 11th, which was the second game against the Pelicans, is really where we got to see that. Would Devin Booker out got his 18 field goal attempts, which is the second highest of his entire season so far. And a lot of that came on the back of the fact that he is being that more featured player in the offense. And on a Houston team where their front court is definitely not really the size to be able to really hang with what DeAndre Ayton has. They're going to be throwing a combination of Sangoon, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason to be able to go ahead and deal with it. 7,200, I really, really like DeAndre Ayton's opportunity to be able to go ahead and get himself into that potential 5-6x to six X opportunity, probably closer to 6, because for him to get 40 in this kind of a matchup, all they have to do is keep it somewhat close. And with Devin Booker out there, I expect that Houston, who continues to play at a super high pace, love to chuck it from outside and really have the ability to be able to put up some points in a hurry, have found themselves keeping games relatively close as of late. So really it comes down to how much you really want to buy on that spread here. They haven't found themselves being blown out in a game since that Golden State one. And even that was kind of in the middle of... You know, a stretch of a number of games in which they've kept it close otherwise as well. So really, in general, I like this matchup to not be, you know, it's hard to predict blowouts or any of that. I expect this matchup to not be one of those. And I would say that Mikael Bridges at 6,100, DeAndre Ayton at 7,200, Chris Paul at 6,200, all of them from the Phoenix side have a great opportunity to be able to get 6x on their value here. And just given how some of my lineups are shaking out, I'm actually finding that they are coming often as at least two, if not all three of them, depending on how uh, I actually find myself taking some of the other pieces out there. So keep that in mind. And one of those things that I always kind of say, especially in a in a five game slate or any of these slates that really aren't you know super massive to me, that like four or five is that sweet spot in which you don't have to be super concerned where it's like, hey, is my lineup not fully taking up my salary? Am I leaving a couple of dollars on the table over here? And because of that, making switches that I may not have otherwise wanted to just because I'm thinking of the salary side, don't get yourself caught up in that. That just goes back to kind of some of the basic DFS strategies that we've talked about up until now. Uh, If you also haven't been following, definitely go back to uh, some of the sessions that we've run really just talk about some of those general strategies but that's one of those things that have uh, been really really useful to me not to get caught up in the salary side of things but here there's just a lot of value to be had Uh, i've been avoiding the houston side by and large other than uh, other than jalen green on matches where i like it alongside jabari smith in these ones I just don't like their uh, their price tags for the kind of value that I can get. Again, 7000 for a point guard shooting guard in Jalen Green. I'm liking Chris Paul for 800 less. I'm even going to be liking CJ McCollum, who I'm going to be talking about in the next matchup, for 6900 more so than I like uh, that price tag for him, despite, obviously, Phoenix is doing it. You're going to need someone coming back from the Houston side. I just expect it to be pretty well spread. If there's any area that there is a little bit of an opportunity for value, it is Eric Gordon, who has now played 30, 32, 40 minutes in his last three games uh, for the Rockets, but just hasn't really been getting his uh, his shot volume and his efficiency that you really need for him to feel pretty comfortable 
at that uh, at that price tag. But again, it's pretty it's pretty low. You don't have too much downside if you do go about do. You go about jumping on Eric Gordon there, and he's had 26 and 24 in two of his last uh, three games. So a little bit of an opportunity there. Uh, you could probably expect that he could get somewhere between 5.5 to 6x, depending on how things go. But it's just really kind of depending on how the matchup's working out. And we know that Phoenix's perimeter defense can be quite stifling. So depending on how uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green are able to really be a magnet to the remainder of that defense, Eric Gordon might find himself being the beneficiary of that and getting some of those uh, open shots for himself. Let's see how that goes. On to the second last game of the night. We have the New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Utah Jazz in the first of the two highest scoring games of the night, according to the totals. 234 for this one. The Jazz underdogs by 2.5. And the Pelicans, the hottest team in the NBA, are definitely an area of keen interest here for me. I expect in general, we saw last time around as well, this game was incredibly high scoring. We got a 123-122 game earlier on in the season. Uh, Much of that I expect here as well. It should be a competitive game all the way through. And Zion Williamson, who even in that first game, in just 29 minutes was able to put up 38 DK points, now has seen himself get his minutes total all the way up to 42 in that last Phoenix Suns game where he went ahead and dropped 50 DK points in that one as well. Now, some of that is that burgeoning rivalry that's there now between the Pelicans and, and Suns, especially after uh, that uh, spin 360 dunk that he had in the game prior. So there's some of that that goes in there. But in general, Zion is looking healthier than he ever has, really, at any point in his NBA career. And... If we're talking about studs who you could potentially also feel uh, comfortable taking, at 9,500, I think Zion Williamson is the other one there. So we talked about James Harden being at 9,700, Zion now at 9,500. That 9,000 range is a little bit more exciting to me than, other than Giannis, those uh, above 10,000 guys. So Curry, uh, Embiid, not as interested as being able to take a Zion Williamson who has much the same ceiling as a lot of those studs there. But He's found himself being a lot more consistent just given the fact that his rebounding totals have been really solid for the last uh, five games now. He's been averaging somewhere close to 10 rebounds a game in that time. And he's also been racking up assists to the tune of about four to five a game as well. So really all of that helps the fact that even though he's not really a guy that racks up a lot of blocks and steals on a consistent basis, he can get you one and one there uh, to be able to get that stat line rounded out. So Given the fact that you know he's going to get anywhere between 18 to 20 shots in this kind, of, this kind of a matchup, he found himself in a super efficient spot last time around. He faced the Jazz as well, and they really do have a lot of struggles being able to deal with him on the inside. I think Zion is a super, super solid pick to be able to go ahead and look in on this side. And speaking of solidity, and speaking of value that I find is just sitting there, I spoke about CJ McCollum earlier. We had been waiting for his shot to kind of come back as well. 13 of 24 in the last game, a 7 of 16 in the game before that really helped him break out of a three-game long slump in which he was sitting in the mid-20s as far as his field goal percentage was concerned. And that was just kind of bringing the rest of his entire stat line down. But what it has done is gotten his price tag into the 6,000s where we had been seeing it in the high 7,000s to low 8,000s for the vast majority of the season. So the opportunity is definitely there, especially given the fact that Brandon Ingram remains out. He is going to be your primary ball handler all the way through in a fast-paced matchup. 
I like him in a spot where I can go ahead and take him as my point guard, given uh, a lot of these forwards that I'm liking, that I've talked about, forward centers, and you've spent up a decent amount of money over there. If you're just going to have that little bit of extra cash, at the end, I do believe CJ McCollum is going to be in a solid spot to be able to get to anywhere between 5.5 to 6x. He's going to be able to likely carry on his ability to shoot well in this matchup. Did really well, again, in that first game. I try not to think too, too much about previous matchups on there because that can sometimes drive analysis. But what is important to me is the position that he's finding himself in and the fact that CJ McCollum is yet again one of those guys that once he gets on a streak is usually going to last for a couple of games before he finds himself cooling off we've seen that earlier in the season as well and once he broke that uh, for that 40 percent mark he's able to get that for three four games in a row before he has another dud on there so let's just go ahead and really bank ourselves on cj kind of keeping it up and at 6900 there's just a lot of upside for him to go uh, up there on the other side with the with the Utah Jazz, there's really only been one guy that I've taken consistently, and that is Laurie Markkinen. Now, whether you want to take Markkinen today or not is really going to be dependent on how much uh, you expect this game to go uh, versus uh, versus some of the other ones. We talked about the for, the forward positions already. Uh, Mikael Bridges is sitting at 6,100 as a small forward. Definitely a big locks position there. You're spending up. Zion Williamson's at 9,500. Another opportunity over there. But Laurie Markkinen, who at 7,900, gives you that upside, that offensive upside as a primary option on a team that has now found itself really struggling. But had a great matchup last time around against the Pelicans as well. Uh, himself, he's uh, now going to be back off the injury report with no real uh, restrictions coming off. It was just a non-COVID-related illness. He's been out for about 10 days. He's gotten good rest. I expect that he's going to come out looking to get his season back on track and back on fire here. So probably more of a GPP play than a potential cash one over here. But at 7,900, he gives you the opportunity of a guy who can get you 50 on a night that he uh, shoots well. And I expect with the pace of this matchup over here, he's going to be needed to take a lot of those shots. So keep that in mind. Laurie Markkinen, 7,900. Final game of the night. And funny enough, probably the game that I'm going to have the least amount of exposure to, despite probably wanting to watch it the most. The age-old rivalry, the Boston Celtics, taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. A 235 game total for this one. So, in fact, listed as the highest of the night, with the Celtics favored to win by three and a half points. On the Boston side, the injuries are going to be Al Horford, who uh, who had been out with a uh, with a personal injury on or a personal reason on here. He's meant to be coming back as of this Friday, so he's not going to be here for this game. Uh, Robert Williams, who we expect is going to be coming back very, very soon. He could be coming as soon as this uh, this upcoming Friday as well, but again, remains out on there. While on the Los Angeles Lakers side, it's really always that watch on Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and both of them are listed as being probable for this game. So looks like we're going to have all systems go here, but as far as price tags are concerned for much of these players. That's where I kind of find myself pausing. Jalen Brown has really been on an absolute tear as of late as far as his uh, point production is concerned, but it goes back to the same issue. I always have slight worries about his ancillary stats on there. His rebounding had been a bit above its head over the last uh, five games, and it really came down 
back in that uh, blowout game against the LA Clippers, despite him shooting pretty well over there. But at 9200 which is his highest price tag of the season so far, I just think that's priced himself out a little bit too much for where I'd feel comfortable for him to be able to get his value at 46 needed to be able to get 5x just seems like it's a bit of a stretch in my opinion for him to get that in a consistent enough or at least a level where I feel comfortable enough to actually go ahead and take him so much of my potential exposure is going to be kind of in the usual suspects for me Marcus Smart at 5900 he's actually seen himself getting a little bit of a price drop given the fact that he's coming off a couple of a couple of mediocre games but again a big game a big rivalry matchup on here. These are the kind of games that Marcus Smart does get himself up for. And given the fact that they are going to be playing in LA as well, he's going to be that villain <laughs> role all the way through in that one. I expect him to get even more involved in this one. 5,900, he always gives you that opportunity to be able to get to that mid-30s to high-30s pretty consistently if he can get even somewhat of his offense going. And I expect they're going to be seeing that uh, come through him quite a bit more here just given how much of the Lakers' attention is going to be on the combination of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And again, both of them at price tags that I feel are probably fair too expensive for what I think that they will end up doing. So it'll either be smart or... Or if I'm feeling a little frisky, we saw Malcolm Brogdon get himself up to 30 minutes in the last game. 31, in fact. It was a blowout game, so I'm, I'm a little skeptical whether he gets to that same uh, same kind of minutes total this time around. But he is coming in three games pretty solid. In fact, four games. 37, 27, 28, 33. He's averaging somewhere in that uh, mid-30s in terms, of, uh, in terms of DK points over there. So, opportunity. 4800 not a bad spot not a good a not a bad option to be able to throw in into that uh, you know guard slash utility spot at the end of the day because there's just something about getting a little bit of exposure in that late night hammer so keep that in mind as far as the Boston side is concerned but the Lakers honestly other than a a jump at a uh, a option like a Austin Reeves where I'm thinking that hey he might uh, just be someone to uh, kind of throw out there as a contrarian pick I really just don't like taking uh, LeBron James nowadays in most of these matchups he just hasn't been giving me the kind of upside that I'm potentially hoping for for a guy that I'm spending nearly 10,000 on he'll probably be able to get to like 50 and get you that 5x which isn't a bad spot so from a cash perspective I probably feel pretty good about uh, taking someone like LeBron you know his consistency is always quite high but that ceiling always comes with Anthony Davis but again 11,100 is what he's sitting at, obviously coming off a monster game against the Detroit Pistons where he put up 70 DK points in that one, but 11,100, spend a little bit more, be able to get Giannis, who I think is going to have the bigger matchup between the two, the bigger usage rate between the two, and I expect that uh, a match that could potentially be closer than the uh, than the Boston Celtics and Lakers one too, despite what the total is looking like at the moment. But that brings us to the end of the games itself. So just a quick look over at the Thrive Fantasy side, which again, your player props, looking at it from a daily basis, seeing who it is that you are going to be interested in here. And as far as the Thrive side is concerned, 
The first one that draws my attention is the Joel Embiid one at 11.5 rebounds. So to get more than that would be 110 points coming on his side. And I'm liking that opportunity here for him. I expect that just given uh, the fact that him and uh, Sabonis are going to be at each other's throats the entire night, uh, especially from the Sacramento side where they're going to be looking to get more offense running through that side of it with the potential absence of a De'Aaron Fox. We're going to have a lot of opportunities for our rebounds to be able to come here. Embiid, obviously, a very, very tough guy to be able to shoot over. And with that, and with him being the guy under the basket, I expect that he'll be able to get to that uh, 12 rebound total that you need to be able to get that 110 points. And then finally, the Marcus Smart pick is the other one. Just kind of going back to the fact that you expect him to be that much more involved, to be that guy who's going to be the villain, to be that guy who's going to be kind of in the skins of the Los Angeles Lakers all night. 10.5 total rebounds and assists to get more than that, 105 points. I expect that he'll have a pretty good rebounding total tonight, just given the fact that the front court, of course, continues to be uh, sitting out. No Al Horford, no Robert Williams. You often find Marcus Smart then getting within the trees to try and get that little bit more of a rebounding effort going so you could see him get you know four to five there so really just comes down to the assist side of things and apart from that last Clippers game in which he only had three he had consistently been getting five or more assists all the way up to nine assists for the last uh, six games prior to that so a pretty good spot for him to get up to his 10.5 in total more 105 points right there that brings us to the end of of yet another session as always you can find me on twitter at hak underscore devil to be able to kind of interact with me i love some of the dms that i get just really talking about where your thought process is at what's your lineups looking like and definitely engage me on that and we can keep talking about what uh, what it's looking like on a given night and as uh, it gets closer to lock we talk about um, what kind of injuries there are anything to really keep you up and abreast of the information you need But until then, get yourself on those GPPs, get yourself on those cash plays, and let's go and take down some tournaments.